0: Man, it doesn't have to be so hard. If you're really trying as hard as you can and it's not really paying off, maybe your product is just not in a position where you can market it easily.
1: Hello and welcome back to IndieBytes, the podcast driving you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Today I'm joined by Dominic Sober, the founder of HelpKit, a product that he started last year that turns Notion pages into a professional help center. Now doing 4.5k MRR. In this episode, we talk about Dom's many failed projects, how he finally found something that worked with HelpKit, and how he went from wanting to be a management consultant to being an indie hacker. But before we talk about Dom's story, I'd like to reintroduce you to a returning sponsor, for Euro. As indie hackers, we know how to make a great product, but sometimes design is an afterthought. But you savvy indie hacker want to do something about it. And here is where Figura comes in. Figura offers the best vetted product designers and contractors to give you a hand. And founder Dennis has given a frankly absurd deal to start you off. Just use the code INDIE199 to get $199 off to start your project for free. Go show Figura some love, head to figura.digital or hit the link in the show notes. Let's get into this episode. Dom, welcome to the pod. How are you doing? Hey James, thanks for having me. So let's talk about your background. I didn't really know much about you when I started seeing the tweets about HelpKit. So talk me through some of your Previous projects, what you were doing in the past, so people will have a little bit of context. I've been
0: indie hacking now for the past two or three years, and it all started um, during my undergrad management and economics study, where I found out that coding is a really interesting thing. And I basically self-taught myself how to code as a hobby project. And initially, I really wanted to work at like one of the top three management consultancies and become a management consultant, wearing a suit, traveling around the world, and just working for big corporations. And while I was thinking about doing that, I was also having troubles preparing for my job interview. Management consulting job interviews are really straightforward, but there is a lot of practice that you have to do. And I was looking for books, basically, that teach yourself how to do it. And there are a bunch of them, but there was no app. And so I was at the position where I was like, you know what, I'm kind of teaching myself how to code right now as a hobby. Why not just build an app that helps you to prepare for the management consulting interview? And initially, I didn't really have like much expectations for any of my apps to make money, but The moment I made my first five bucks, I think it kind of changed everything because that moment on I realized I can actually make money on the
1: internet. So that that first $5 you got on the internet, I don't think that's really enough to turn you from (laughs) this dream of becoming a management consultant to I'm going to be an indie hacker now, I've made money on the internet. Is Is there still part of you that if HelpKit doesn't work out, you will still pursue that dream? You're still doing your masters at the moment.
0: No, not at all. Honestly, I think I'm at this point unemployable. I just absolutely love being my own boss, working on my own things. And I kind of just enjoy like the whole process of being an quote unquote indie hacker, doing the coding, but also trying to do marketing, which I'm not really good at, but I'm trying to become better. And it's just this process of learning that I just, I think I just cannot go back to being employed at this point now.
1: (laughs) I think that's relatable for many indie hackers, myself included. I, I couldn't go back to a regular job. So let's talk about some of the projects you've started and failed. Talk about K-Stores to me.
0: Yeah, so K-Stores is the app that I mentioned earlier. It's basically a mobile app that helps you to prepare for the management, consulting, job interview. And it's basically just like a bunch of preparation books condensed into an interactive app. It didn't necessarily fail. It's still generating, I think, around like two to four hundred dollars a month. It's not really as recurring because I have a lot of lifetime purchases, but it's still out mm. there. People still like it. But so that was basically my first app that I that I built, and the very first version was really scrappy, to be honest. Like I, I didn't even, like looking back, I think the this this typical quote that you get to see a lot of on, uh, on twitter like you gotta be embarrassed about your first product that was definitely the case <laughs> like i was extremely embarrassed about that so yeah that was the first product and then the next thing that i built was a platform called film types which was basically um it's a directory for analog film stocks and it's been very well received by the analog film community i think i got like half a million page views on the first day which was insane it, it's a still a really fun side project but i think I just I I couldn't really find a way to monetize it then I stumbled on this issue that whenever I was building like some sort of mobile app I wanted to preview how your app can look like on the app store and there are some Figma templates or sketch templates that you could use but I wanted something to be a bit easier so I basically built a web app where you can plug in your screenshots of your app store of, of your app store presence and then it just shows you like how it looks like on an iPad on an iPhone 10 you name it. And that thing is called Store Previewer. And that was kind of like my first try at SaaS. And I completely over-engineered it. I think I spent like four months working on the most crazy real-time team collaboration features. And in the end, not a single person used these super complicated features. Like that was the project where I realized, you know... Spending a lot of time and effort on something doesn't equal getting a monetary value out of it. And so that was a that was a very hard lesson for me to learn because I almost went into a little depression after that. And it took me I think two months to really get out of it again. Like actually I was I was at a point where I couldn't look at my computer screen anymore. And then all of a sudden I got my motivation back and that's when I was at the point of starting Helpkit.
1: Let's move on to HelpKit. And what was the impetus for it? Where did you discover this need for Notion help centers?
0: Whenever I was building some sort of product, I was at the stage where I really wanted to have a knowledge base for the product because I knew that for me, just handling support tickets can really be a pain in the ass. And at the same time, I realized that I'm basically using Notion for everything in my life. I'm documenting my whole business, but also my personal life there. And then it just kind of clicked where I thought, you know what, is it somehow possible to just write my help articles in Notion and then somehow expose them externally on a website that looks like a really proper knowledge base that I can kind of customize, but still have all my content in Notion. I didn't really act up on it, I think, after having the idea for like two months, and then I remember Simon, a really good indie hacker friend of mine, he was like, you know what? We should do a hackathon. We're just gonna pick an idea you have always wanted to work on and we're just gonna try to build it in like one day. And so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try to make like the Notion page accessible via a website, see if it can work. And so I did. And I think the the first MVP um, was super crappy, but it worked. And so... That really gave me the motivation to
1: to just explore it a bit,
0: uh, I should say.
1: So in the past year with HelpKit, you got it to 4K, 4.5K MRR. That's amazing. What did you do to get those first customers and then build that revenue over time? So... The initial customers
0: basically came from the idea of trying to validate the product before even building it. And so that's what I actually did. I built a landing page with a pre-order. Basically just built a whole idea of HelpKit in Figma. I made a nice screenshot and launched it on Twitter. The first week nothing really happened and I kind of got bummed out. But then I got my first like yearly sale, like pre-order sale. Then all of a sudden I got the second one. And I was like, okay, this is going somewhere. And then it kind of stagnated again for like five more days nothing really happened and then i got this one email which was probably it probably took me like eight ten minutes to read it was this long and it was just this genuine help of trying to tell me how cool help kit is and that i'm on the like on the right path it's a really cool product i just just keep continue building it. And he was just this guy I'd never heard of. He just randomly emailed me and gave me so much advice and tips. And that was, I think, the, the tipping point was like, you know what, I'm just going to pursue it. I'm going to build it. I only got two pre-orders, but I think I might be onto something. And so the initial customers actually came from Twitter, just building in public and then trying to slowly get into the Notion community as well on Twitter, which is really big. And I think the second flow came from the concept of engineering to marketing or engineering for marketing, which is basically building some sort of side projects that are related to your main product that drive traffic to your main product. What I did in that specific case is that I found out that for Notion at that point when I was starting with HelpKit, you couldn't build simple tables in Notion. And so I built this little website called Notion Simple Table. And it's literally just a generator that generates the LaTeX code with a nice ui of a normal looking table that you can paste into notion and that gives you this super nice looking kind of natively integrated simple table and i i uh, posted it in product hunt got top five and the notion community just absolutely loved it it was free obviously and i think that was like the second kind of wave that pushed people towards help Kit, and that also got Notion consultants kind of interested in following me on Twitter and that's how I think the second wave started of people kind of knowing that I'm building something on Notion.
1: just want to quickly deviate to building on top of Notion. Why did you choose this? Was it a little bit easier to do? Was it because there was an established Notion community that liked using Notion for building websites or as their wiki anyway? There's a funny Quick
0: story for this. When I was building StorePriot, it really felt hard for me to get customers. I had to do cold emailing, cold calling. With that being said, I had this amazing boat trip last year in Lisbon and I remember there was this one guy a Russian guy we were talking about like store preview and his projects and then I was talking about how hard it is for me to get customers and then how it feels like a drag to just get the initial customers and then he told me about this concept of basically building something in a growing niche versus building something in a declining or stagnating niche and that kind of changed my whole view so what I mean with this is that if you pick a niche that is growing i.e. in that case notion it's sort of like if you're sailing and you have the wind that is in your favor pushing you towards your destination or the other way that I was kind of doing with store preview and a lot of indie hackers are doing is you kind of trying to go against the current and I knew that if I can build something that is on a growing trend versus a declining trend I already have basically one bullet point checked already and that moment when I when I hear this story basically what he said is man it doesn't have to be so hard if you're really trying as hard as you can and it's not really paying off maybe your product is just not in a position where you can market it easily and that's gonna be hard down the line when he said this I was like okay my next project's gotta be focused on something that is growing and it just happened that I had this knowledge base idea and notion was just getting more and more popular and more and more companies were using it.
1: So you've been about building in public being a good channel for you, building in a growing market. How about other marketing channels you've used? Has it been solely this or have there been other (laughs) things you've done to grow HelpKit?
0: I I would say that I kind of started doubling down a bit on SEO. I was building very Mm. targeted landing pages, not blog articles so far, which I still have to do. But I think the initial few landing pages that I built, they're w- very well positioned in terms of keywords that people were looking for. And so while I think in the first, maybe let's say six months, I saw that the majority of customers actually came from Twitter. Now it's like almost 60, 70% from SEO. Without me necessarily doing that much, it was just like maybe four or five landing pages that I built for the for the feature
1: set that HelpKit was offering. Now Don, when you got to 3K MRR you decided you can go full time spend most of your time on this
0: how did that feel amazing like i said when i started my masters my goal was to reach about 1.5 1. ish 1.5k 1. mr us dollars to become run profitable and having reached 3k i think 6 months before i kind of graduate was I was really grateful for this um it kind of motivated me even more to just keep on building stuff and just finally now kind of being able to also know that I can work on this after I graduate I don't have to look for a job I don't have to do freelance I can really work on this full time and make sure that I can grow it as best as I can and put in my all my resources that I have which is kind of like a dream to be honest all
1: right well Dom, I end every episode on three recommendations, a book, a podcast, and an indie hacker.
0: A book. I would say Start Small, Stay Small by Rob Walling. Podcast, I I, I still like, I absolutely love the Indie Hackers podcast. And if I would have to choose one indie hacker, it would probably be Min Fu Tran, a friend of mine who is basically building, used to build a lot of projects on Notion, but now he's kind of venturing into notion unrelated projects he's now working on the to-do list app and also uh kind of like a web separate in the future and i think he's one of the most skilled programmers that i
1: know absolutely dom thank you so much for joining me on this episode of indybytes thanks james Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Bites. All links to everything discussed will be in the show notes as always. A big thank you to today's sponsor, Figura, the best place to find designers for your product. And finally, if you have a podcast where editing takes up all of your time, then drop me a message. I can help you out. I run an editing service called Pop Panda to help you get your time back and fire up your production value. But that's all from me. See you next week.